Greetings, another uh, Boulder's Extra podcast coming your, coming your way here through SoundCloud and uh, jconline.com. Mike Carmen uh, covers Purdue Sports for the Lafayette uh, Journal and Courier. And this uh, today is Friday, September 25th, uh, just a few days after our other podcast uh, where we talked about the Big Ten schedule, uh, Rondell Moore, uh, and some other things, uh, basketball-related uh, uh, topics. And back today to talk about Rondell Moore's decision. Uh, in case you've been hiding in the weeds, uh, Rondell has decided to come back, opt back in, and play the 2020 season uh, for the Boilermakers. Uh, I consider it a bit of a surprise because I'm not sure how much he gains from doing this. Um, from a uh, personal standpoint, NFL standpoint, uh, and outlined some of those reasons on the last podcast. Um, you know, I think Purdue fans welcome him back, no question, and I think he makes uh, obviously the offense a lot better uh, and he definitely will help in the return game uh, it's a it's a positive for Purdue one they need to capitalize on in the in the nine game conference season uh, somehow uh, although there's no bowl eligibility requirements uh, uh, you, you think that w- what this what this team can do in 2020 uh, and we broke down the schedule um, a little bit deeper in the last podcast uh, but you know, with Rondell Moore now in the fold uh, and the type of schedule that they're going to face uh, and who they're not going to face, they don't get Michigan and Ohio State, um, that, you know, a 500 record or better, 5-4, and four, um, is definitely something to um, – it's attainable. I don't, I don't think there's any question about it. But as we went through the schedule before, um, you know, I counted at least five games that I would consider toss-ups. And field goal here, field goal there, uh, big play here, big play there changes or helps uh, each of those games. So Purdue has uh, a small margin for error uh, this season. It's probably that way every year when you get down to it. But I mean, they could have they could have a really really good season. Uh, and I you know I think that's heightened now that Rondell is back. You know we've seen what he can do uh, and take over a game. Uh, and really elevate uh, a team's performance. You know, we saw that in the Ohio State game in 2018. We've seen it uh, in other games where he just, you know, he takes over. He gets you a big play, uh, gets you a big first down, gets you in the end zone. Uh, he, he's that dynamic of a player. Uh, and, you know, I think it really does um, improve produce chances. It definitely heightens the expectations for what this season potentially could be. Does this make them a legitimate contender in the West? I still think there's a lot of questions that need to be answered from the, from the complete team standpoint, whether that's going to be the case. You still got to play defense. We have no idea what this defense is going to look like. I mean, I'm being, uh, at least from my standpoint, because we haven't, you know, the, the small percentage that we watched in spring practice, which was only three practices, and we haven't watched any practice since. Uh, you know, how are they going to line up? You know, three, four, four, three. Who's going to be where? Uh, what do the newcomers look like? Um, you know, all these questions are not going to get answered until they play that first game against Iowa, either on October 23rd or 24th. Uh, so, um, but to me, the defense is a big question, and along with, you know, is the offensive line going to be good enough to protect the quarterback uh, and give that 
quarterback time to find Rondell and David Moore or David Bell. Um, you know, and do you establish any kind of running game that you didn't have last year? And that was a sore point last season that Purdue could not run the ball uh, that effectively until maybe a little bit later in the season. Uh, I think they got some yards against Nebraska, uh, but couldn't really get it going in, until then. Uh, so there's a lot of things that have to come together, but having Rondell more helps those things come together. I mean, I, I, he's a star in college football, uh, definitely a star in the Big Ten. I think he's a star nationally, has a household name. Um, and again, uh, he can take over a game, and we've seen it. Uh, and I, I'm sure we will, we will see it again um, uh, this year. But to me, it's a it's kind of a it's a little bit of a risk decision uh, because again, I, I don't know how much he gains by coming back. I mean, he has uh, a lot to lose. I hope he had I hope he got the protection uh, that he wanted from a from an insurance standpoint uh, to to be able to play the season and knowing that if something did happen, that you know at least financially he's taken care of uh, to a certain point. And, you know, depending on the injury and depending on the other circumstances, uh, uh, it may not hold him back from, from the NFL. Um, I, I really thought that he would just say, you know, he, he wants to do it, but he couldn't, you know, you know, the best path for him was, was maybe preparing for the NFL draft and, you know, lifting weights and doing everything that he's doing, um, you know, down in the Louisville area and, and call it a day and just get ready for the next phase of his life. But it's a credit to him. Uh, you know, I think it's a credit to him. Um, I think he wants – obviously, he wants to do well. He wants to come out and play and perform. And if you watched his interview on ESPN2 on Thursday uh, saying that he wants to be the best receiver in America, you know, I truly, I truly believe that he wants to be known or viewed as the best – receiver in America and you got to do that by numbers and you got to do it by some other things, but you also have to do it by your team winning. Um, I, I, you could, yes, you could be the best receiver in America and be on a two and, um, two and 17 this year at Purdue or in a normal season, a, a three, three and nine or four and eight team. Yeah. You can be viewed as the best receiver in America, but it really helps when you're the best receiver in America or at least viewed as the best receiver in America, and your team is in the hunt for the Big Ten West or beating Wisconsin or beating Minnesota or you know pulling an upset or having a, an over 500 season, I do think they're not, you know, they don't have to go together, but I think they do go together a little bit, especially when people start voting and you know, it's like, well, if you're the best receiver in America, why is your team two and eight? Um, I mean, it's, it's it's questions that voters go through their mind. Uh, he may, you know, in a nine game season, how many how many passes realistically can he can he catch? Um, he's not probably going to catch ten a game, so ninety is probably off the table. And you know, they might play another game and you know might play a bowl game, so you're looking at ten games. But it's unlikely he gets to 100. I, you know, would be, be surprised if he got to 100. But especially with some of the other talent on the field with David Bell. We'll get to that uh, in a minute. But, I mean, he's, I think he's poised to have a good year. I think he's determined to have a good year. And 
you know, now it's it's getting in sync with whoever the quarterback is going to be, uh, Jack Plummer, um, Austin Burton, or or even Aiden O'Connell. I I do think early on in the season we'll see multiple guys play quarterback, just because there might not be that kind of separation that Jeff Brom hopes, or maybe there is. Again, we're not going to be able to see it until uh, that first game to know exactly who's doing what and how they're doing it, and kind of what what the plan is. Um, you know, and I think whoever is the starter is going to be kept under wraps until uh, they get out to that first game. So you make sure you have to stay tuned to, to Twitter and get the, uh, what I believe would be the Sam Garvin backside report. But the last time we talked to Jeff Brahms, uh, Sam was dealing with some, some injuries uh, of his own. So not sure who is playing center right now, but I would assume if Sam Garvin is healthy, he'll be the center uh, coming up. But, you know, he's got to get, you know, Rondo's got to get in sync with the quarterback. He's got to get uh, those things lined up and ready to go. And then, you know, he's got to learn or others have to learn to play off him. Uh, you know, now you have two dynamic receivers. You have two of the best receivers in the Big Ten. You have two of the best receivers in the country uh, on Purdue's team right now with David Bell and Rondell Moore. You know, how do you balance that out? How do defenses, defenses defend both of them? Are you double teaming both? Then somebody's got to be open. You know, that might open the way for the tight ends uh, to really uh, make a move forward. I mean, if you had Bryson Hopkins on this team along with David Bell and um, uh, Rondell Moore, my God, uh, you know, the numbers that you could put up and um, and uh, the production that could come out of all three of those positions would be probably uh, – probably tremendous, but there are some decent tight ends on the roster still that might be able to benefit for that. you got other receivers that can benefit from David Bell and Rondell Moore. Uh, teams are going to have to pick what they want to do. And to me, that's that's kind of one of the most interesting things about the season is just how do, how do opponents go about uh, defending Purdue in the passing game. And uh, the more uh, – you know, the more weapons they can put out there, the more challenges challenge challenges it's gonna be for, for teams and and I think potentially this offense has a chance to really kick it into high gear and produce a lot of big plays. Uh, but you need some complimentary things to happen. You gotta be able to run the ball late in the game if you have a lead, uh, to eat the clock or midway through the fourth quarter to, to keep the possession uh, in your favor and uh, not turn the ball over. Uh, to the other offense, if your defense is uh, springing some leaks, so it's a, uh, you know, it's it's going to be uh, uh, still a tough season for Purdue in some some regards. But um, the fact that Rondell's back, I think, is uh, is is really good news. Uh, it creates some uh, uh, some excitement and it creates a buzz around the program going into a year. Um, and I think it it allows Purdue maybe to be in position from a television standpoint uh to get a, a you know a primetime game or, or two that maybe they would not have gotten uh if Rondell had not come back you know the first game of the year could be on a Friday night um you know I think uh those Friday night games are still strong possibilities for everybody in the conference uh just because TV's going to need some inventory there uh and with no fans right now you don't have to make as many 
advanced plans that you did in the past as far as making sure the campus yet you know complete campus security and all the game day stuff that you would need for for a Friday night game and not that you can spring it at the last minute but I don't think you need as much lead time with no fans coming to the game and and, and stuff like that you know everybody will be on a short week no one has any off weeks right now uh, unless there's a covid situation that would uh, postpone a game or not postpone cancel a game and there's no postponements they're canceled um, and I think they're called I think there'll be I don't think there'll be forfeits either I think they're going to be just no contest um, so you you could have a you could have an off week you could have a team coming off an off week uh, by not not by design but just because of what happens because if you've kept up with what's kind of going on in the Big Ten Rutgers doesn't seem thrilled about the whole idea of potentially playing uh, during during the pandemic, uh, so there might be some there might be some interruptions. We've seen it across college football and the ACC and some other places um, that games are getting canceled uh, due to positive tests and contact tracing and all that kind of stuff. So, um, not saying it won't happen in the Big Ten, but if they get their rapid response testing where they can test every day. It does cut down on the number of contact tracing you have to do, uh, and therefore you you have a better picture of what what your roster looks like. Uh, but it doesn't eliminate it totally. It just doesn't. I you know I know there's been a couple of teams that have had to had to cancel because of a certain position had you know an abnormal number of of tests and then contact tracing where it left the depth chart empty and you just you couldn't play. Uh, so, you know, it could happen in the big 10. It might happen in the big 10. I mean, you can't be surprised if it does. I mean, I'll be, I be honest. I'll be surprised if the big 10 gets away, Scott clean and, you know, is able to play it's, it's full season as scheduled, uh, without interruptions. I think, I think that's a, that's a hard thing to ask. And I think you have to expect it and then you have to react to it, uh, uh, from there, and it could be. So I think there was a game today that was canceled that was scheduled for tomorrow. Charlotte and somebody can't remember exactly, but exactly who. But that's just you know you, you just have to be prepared for it. And you know, and Central Catholic, uh, locally high school football, they had they had to cancel their game tonight against Rensselaer because they've had a number of uh, positive tests. They had to uh, throw a team together last week even to play at Tipton based on positive tests and contact tracing. Uh, and then as they got into this week, they figured out that they, they couldn't, they couldn't do it all the way. So, um, you just have to be able to adjust and, and, um, and make, make, uh, make plans that way. But back to Rondell jotted down some of the numbers that he put up in 2018 against the big 10 teams, especially against the teams that Purdue, uh, is going to play, play this year, or at least it's scheduled to play, you know, Ohio state game they they won't play. They won't play Ohio State unless it would be in the Big Ten championship game. That's that's a that, it's a possibility, but probably unlikely. And then uh, Michigan State is a team that they won't play again uh, this year. But every other team that he went against in 2018, and then he played one Big Ten game or at least a quarter of a Big Ten game against Minnesota, and that's the only team that he has played against twice. But you know he had 11 catches for 109 yards against Northwestern. That would have been the first game of the season his first game and also Purdue's first game. He had eight catches for 85 yards against Nebraska, four catches for uh, 101 against Illinois. Um, and then uh, 
six catches against Iowa for 31 yards. Uh, in two games or a game and a quarter against Minnesota, he's caught 10 passes for 94 yards. Uh, the Wisconsin game, which was the triple overtime game back in 2018, nine catches, 114 yards. And then IU was 12 catches, 141 yards. So he's put up some decent numbers uh, against Big Ten teams. It doesn't, you know, those numbers don't automatically equate to uh, what's going to happen in 2020, but I think it gives you an idea of what he uh, potentially uh, could do there. And that would have, uh, see, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven and a quarter. That's, you know, that's seven slash eight games. Uh, against Big Ten competition, similar to what he'll get now. And then if you throw David Bell's numbers in with that, um, they they won't be the same because there's only so many passes in a game that can go around. Uh, and most of these guys have been, are, the, are the number one targets. You know, that's another stat to watch this year is who, you know, what do the targets look like? How many times is David Bell and uh, Rondell Moore being targeted? They, they should rank one one or two every week. Um, and they they should be throwing the ball and they should be uh, be put in a position to make plays. But they, you know David Bell put up a, a lot of good numbers last year when he was targeted when he was the number one guy and he made he made a lot of plays as well. So it's really you know and I've said this before it's really it's one of the things I was looking forward to in watching this season unfold was just seeing David Bell and Rondell Moore on the field together. And how Jeff Brom is going to utilize the playbook and get them into matchups that are obviously favorable for Purdue, and just see if the execution can be there and get Purdue off and running from an offensive standpoint, um, and just see how that plays out all year. And a number that I've written a lot um, is that David Bell and Rondell Moore were only on the field last season for 96 plays. 96 plays. That's not a lot. That's for some teams, that's a that's a full game of offensive plays. In Purdue's case, it's probably uh, a game and part of the first quarter. So when you look at it that way, they were not on the field a lot together. Only 96 plays, and I, you know, as long as they both stay healthy, that that will definitely um, that will definitely increase. And you know, over over a nine game season, you know, you could you know. 750 plays together on the field. They'll need breaks uh, every now and then, but uh, I expect those two to get be on the field a lot. Um, they 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 kind of know what they're doing. Um, I'm just I'm kind of curious what kind of you know funky formation Jeff Brown was going to come up with in the first play of the game against Iowa with David Bell and Rondell Moore. Um, you line them up in a, in a T formation in the backfield behind the quarterback, and then they they branch off to their positions. Uh, you know, you put three guys. You know, maybe you put the tight end in the middle, and then you got David Bell on one side, Rondell Moore on the other. You know, you got your quarterback under center, um, and they line up in the T formation, and then you know the quarterback steps back, and then everybody goes to to where they're supposed to be, and then you, you go from there. Or do you run a trick play or any kind of reverse? Maybe a double reverse with Rondell and David David Bell both touching the ball uh, on the on the first play. I mean, there's a lot of I think a lot of uh, uh, a lot of areas of creativity that you can go go down uh, in that. But it's also a situation where that game is a toss up game, and you really don't uh, 
you don't want to make an early mistake that puts you in a hole, then it, it forces you to fight uphill uh, the rest of the way. But I think throughout the season, we're going to see some, I would hope that we will see a lot of creativity uh, by using David Bell and Rondell Moore. And it'll make, it'll make Purdue one of the most interesting teams, I think, to watch uh, this season. And they, you know, they're going to need to score some points because I am not, you know, until we see the defense in action, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what we're going to get, to be honest. I mean, uh, some of the, some of the individual pieces are strong, George Karloftis and assuming Lorenzo Neal is healthy and ready to go at defensive tackle. Derek, Derek Barnes, uh, is supposed to return, supposed to be returning to his linebacker spot. Uh, I thought he played very well at defensive end in the second half of last season. Um, but, uh, the, they had moved him to uh, to linebacker at least in the spring, and then you got Demarcus Mitchell, a junior college transfer. Transfer. Where does he line up? Does he line up at the other end spot in a three four, or is he a is he a linebacker in a three four or a linebacker in a four three? So a lot of things that get sorted out, and a lot of you know a lot of things that we're just not going to know until that Octo- October twenty fourth game. And you got some newcomers and some junior college transfers and some grad transfers that got to get acclimated uh, to everything. I, you know, I really think, um, you know, I really think there's there's a lot of a lot of guys. And Purdue wouldn't be the only team in this situation. But when you just look at Purdue's team and the number of newcomers uh, that they have from either junior college or graduate transfer, um, you, you have to think that the 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 delay in the season. And with the summer being the way it was, where it was not consistent, it was not normal, but now with the delay of the season, that Purdue's, Purdue's personnel probably should benefit somewhat about having this gap between when the season was supposed to start in September as, as opposed to starting in October, about an eight-week eight gap there where it allows – Lorenzo Neal, a little bit more time maybe to get healthy, or Giovanni Howard, uh, who missed all of spring ball, a junior college transfer, uh, wasn't here until he got his academic situation straightened out, allows him a little bit more time. Tyler Coral, a transfer from, from UConn. Um, maybe, you know, wherever he's going to play. You know, Jeff Brom has hinted that he could also show up as an outside linebacker uh, in a 3-4. Then you got Austin Burton, the quarterback, uh, who just got on campus in July, but had been in the playbook since he committed in April. Uh, but it gives him more live reps and live time and being in the, the quarterback room to, to pick up on some things. So I, I think Purdue has a chance. Uh, I think the new guys have a chance to really benefit from this later start. And other teams are going to be in the same position. You know, Purdue's not, a, Purdue's not alone in this, and they're not the only one that, that has newcomers uh, that needed maybe needed a, l- a little extra time, but curious to see how that all plays out and how that mixes in uh, with with the rest of the team. And one one more thing about Rondell, and I mean, he is a dynamic returner. There's no question about it. But they've never, you know, in 2018, they never really. Um, I don't want to say they didn't utilize him because you know they tried to utilize him, but he never really got going as a returner for a variety of reasons. So they had made some changes going into last year um, from a special team standpoint of devising uh, a solid plan. They, you know, Tony Levine, who was here in 2017 under Jeff Brom um, and ran special teams, uh, came back 
occasionally and helped uh, put together that plan going into last season. But it never really got off the ground because Rondell Rondell got hurt. Um, And now you've got a new special teams coach. So what things are going to be implemented to help Rondell and Purdue maybe excel in the in the return game. <coughs> Excuse me, and give give uh, give the team a chance to flip the field, make a big play, um, you know, create a big play on special teams that that makes a difference uh, in the game. So that's a that's another kind of area to watch to see how he's utilized, how much he's utilized as well, because you don't want to you don't want to worry about you don't want to put him in position uh, where he. You know, he might suffer an injury when he there was, you know, no need for him uh, to be out there. So a lot of things to watch with him. I mean, I think he's a guy that's going to want to be out there a whole lot just because this is it. He has a nine-game season, and we all know he's done after this. He's going to go get ready for the NFL after uh, Purdue plays its ninth game or plays a bowl game. And there's no guarantee that Rondeau would hang around and play in a bowl game. I mean, I, I think it depends on uh, what kind of season Purdue's having uh, for that to happen. He might, you might just say, okay, because you know that's the that's the new trend in a normal college football season is guys opting out before the bowl game to go prepare for the for the NFL draft. So should have him from nine games, and it should be an exciting nine games to see how it all how it all plays out. But uh, you know, it's a uh, it's good news for Purdue. It's good news to have the star player back and someone that the nation knows. Um, it's not just a, a Midwestern thing, but uh, the nation knows about Rondell and they know about Purdue, and I think there'll be a lot of eyeballs watching to see uh, what goes on this year with uh, the Boilermakers and the offense um, throughout 2020. I got a Zoom interview with uh, Tom Schott. Uh, used to work, used to lead the Purdue Athletic Communications uh, Department before um, before he was dismissed. Um, uh, he, he has, he has put together a book along with uh, Nathan Baird, who used to be obviously a regular on the podcast and, uh, an employee of the journal and courier. He's now over at cleveland.com covering Ohio state football. Anyway, hundred things Purdue fans should know and do before they die. Uh, did a zoom interview with Tom shot. It's posted on our website right now, jconline.com. Uh, uh, just it, it's full of information. You know, if you're a, if you're a true Purdue fan, you know a lot of it, but there are probably some details in there that might be new uh, for for people. And you know, Tom did a good job. Tom and Nathan did a good job with the book, and uh, it's available now. Uh, but anyway, uh, about a 20 minute interview with Tom is on the website if you want to check that out and uh, uh, kind of uh, digest that. You know, you, you got a hundred things in there, and I went through. It's like, well, I've seen. Either I've seen or I knew about fifty or so of these, but then you you go a little bit deeper. It's like, yeah, I knew about that before beforehand and and stuff like that. I mean, it touches on mainly uh, football and men's basketball, but there's some women's basketball in there. You can't ignore the national championship in '99, and you know Stephanie White and uh, Katie Douglas and some of the premier players of uh, of the women's basketball program. But you know, he's got. He's got chapters on Jack Mollenkoff and Rod Woodson and, you know, David Budaya is, is part of it. Ryan Kerrigan. Um, he got, you know, there's a section on the Big Ten baseball champions from 2012, which broke that long drought of, I think, 1909, uh, 
where they had won a baseball, a Big Ten baseball, the regular season title in that in that long. But anyway, it's a it's a good informational book um, that I think uh, Purdue fans uh, uh, probably will enjoy. And Tom Tom and Nathan both did a, a great job with it. Um, and just you know, happy for Tom, it was able to to put it together uh, the way the way that he did. And uh, compliments to him on the book and uh, him. You know, you know he's. He's done. He's done some other books, and you know, history of Purdue is a passion of his. And it's just unfortunate he's not in the same position he has been because I think the athletic department's losing some of its uh, history uh, people. There's not a lot of people over there that that kind of understand, know, and have a deep passion about what's going on or what has gone on, and making sure that certain things are saved and um, that the history is still a, a big part of uh, Purdue athletics. And I hope that part doesn't go away, but they're starting to lose some of that institutional knowledge uh, that uh, that has been around for a long, long time. And I, I just hope we don't see a shift of uh, of some of that just going by the wayside uh, because there's not somebody like a Tom Schott in position to make sure that, you know, records are updated, kept, um, you know, from big games and you know that's important. Tom's really, really good at understanding those type of things, and just you know, keeping a football from a from a milestone win, or uh, getting the the coach's hat from a from from a milestone win, or, or whatever. Just whatever whatever needed to be done, Tom did it. But uh, congratulations to him on the book. Uh, again, you can uh, uh, look at that Zoom interview uh, on our website, jconline.com. Well, we appreciate you stopping by uh, and listening to me ramble once again. Uh, seems to be what that that's what a podcast is. Just turn on a microphone and, and ramble for a while. Uh, but anyway, uh, again, thanks for stopping by. Uh, we'll we'll do another one when uh, when it when it's time. Can't say what that is. I, I will tell you that I think Purdue's ready to start its training camp portion of practice on Wednesday, September thirtieth, um, and then they will. They will get into the, the kind of uh, all the things they didn't do in August from a training camp perspective of putting on pads and you know having some some eleven on eleven drills and we'll see how much that uh, they, they adjust to the uh, to the protocols and everything and and all that. So I mean you can uh, you know our, our coverage uh, of Purdue football will will start to pick up on a on a daily basis uh, probably next week as they're. I guess the unofficial official start of training camp gets going again uh, on sep- uh, September 30th, and then that will lead into the Iowa week, and that will lead into uh, the first game. And again, I uh, appreciate you stopping by. Uh, questions, concerns, comments, uh, email, uh, Twitter, um, Instagram. I think that's it. That's all I know, and I'm not sure I know those things very well at all. Anyway, have a good weekend. Um, and if this is not the weekend, have a good week. Anyway, we'll, we'll be back, uh, at another time. And, uh, once again, have a good day. Thank you.